Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and I am your host today as we experience NIMSY Live, where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered or guests we should reach out to for future episodes. And if you haven't already done so, make sure that you're following or subscribing to Nimsy Insights on your platform of choice. We are coming to you live today on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, probably. So wherever you're watching, uh, make sure that you're following us and you will be one of the first people to find out when Nimsy Insights publishes new industry research or when we schedule new live events like this. Um, really quickly, before we get into it, um, upcoming events. Speaking of upcoming events, we have one next week on Jul- June, July 27th with my colleague Yanni Golakovsky, who we're going to be talking about language quality model. She's defined a pretty interesting language quality model. We published about it on Nimsy.com. So if you are a Nimsy partner, then you can head on over there and check that out and be ahead of the game on that. Diving right into it, let's get to today's topic. In September 2022, Bolingo Consult published a news website, Akan News. I'm not going to try to pronounce the tree version of it. Um, they published it in two of the Akan languages, Asante Tree and Fanti. This website is the first online platform that makes available information in the Akan language, enabling speakers of Asante Tree and Fanti to access educative and entertaining content in their content in their mother tongue. In this Nimsy Live, Adi and Emmanuel or Clifford um, share are going to be sharing some lessons from building this website from low resource languages and what it means to constantly create content in these languages. So if you're struggling, if you're running an organization out there and you struggle to find support for low-resource languages, this is the podcast for you. We're also going to use this opportunity to share some impressions from Adi and Clifford and feedback from their target readers. A little bit about uh, Bolingo before I let you guys introduce yourselves here. Uh, as a female-led organization, Bolingo Consult works with language services buyers in navigating the complexities and localizing for African languages. The company's services range from translation, interpretation, and media localization to creating data for low-resource languages. Bolingo Consult is on a mission to unlock confidence in African languages. And with that, welcome to the show. Oh, and I'm also, of course, joined by my colleague, Renato Beninato, who's tagging along today. Um, so welcome, Renato. Welcome, Addy and Clifford. Uh, did I get everything? Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Addy, you go first, since you're on my, yeah. my Thank right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, um, Taka, and I'm really happy to be here. This is my second time on, on Nimsy Live. Really you were one of the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, my name is Adina Maran Kulibali. I am the operations manager of Bolingo Consults. Um, I'm currently uh, joining you from Kigali, Rwanda. And um, at Bolingo Consults, what we do is to help our clients with African language services, um, as we know, localization, translation, um, interpretation. And um, we also 
are very much interested in the growth of African languages. And so we've made it our mission to unlock confidence in these languages. And one of the initiatives that we've done is Akan Kasiabo, which we'll discuss later on in this conversation. Um, so that's about it for me. I'll give the floor to Clifford. Yes, uh, thank you so much, Adi Taka and Renato. Uh, great to be here. This is my first time. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be nervous because <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Nimzi, um, also Nimzi Life. Uh, yesterday I joined the session and it was super amazing. Uh, so my name is Emmanuel Clifford Dichia, uh, Business Development Manager at Bolingo Consort. Um, like Adi said, is we are a language service company um, based in Africa, specifically uh, Ghana and recently also in uh, Rwanda. Uh, I am joining from the uh, Ghana Accra office. I'm super excited to, to have this conversation with all of you. Thank you, Clifford. Renato, I'm going to say, Renato, introduce yourself, but also you got the pleasure i'm jealous yeah it's not going to I'm say i'm jealous it didn't work out for me to be able to join you but tell us about how your your experience with these well uh i i had the 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 honor and the pleasure to visit bolingo in accra late last year uh we spent an amazing three four days together uh i was hosted with um uh all the, the, the treats of uh, a good ombroni, if I remember correctly. That's what I am. Gosh, gosh. <laughs> yes. We're going there. It's yeah. nothing, nothing negative around it. So I'm a proud ombroni. But the thing that I, I, I'm shocked that you didn't say, Tucker, is that Ninzi, the name of our company, it's actually an Akan, it's a Fanti word that means knowledge. Supposedly, and, uh, that's what I hear. This is uh, uh, coming back to the origins of the, the, the name of the company. And we're going to be talking about the language that uh, one of the languages that gave origin to uh, the website and the, the, the activity that uh, Bolingo is developing, which is uh, unique and uh, extremely useful for all language uh, efforts that we have and this concept of a low resource language uh, is, is very relevant. And I think that I'm very curious to see what uh, Adi and Clifford have put together for us in terms of educating us a little bit more about the, the Akan languages, which are uh, related languages from a certain area. So I'm not going to, to go into that, but- Yeah, yeah don't pretend I, you're an expert, Renato. means knowledge, and uh, uh, we're very happy to be, in a way, connected with uh, this concept. Yeah, so Nimzi is spiritually African, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, can, um, I'm gonna, before we get into it, and you guys made my job really easy. You came with like, presentation materials and stuff. And I'm going to bring all that up on screen. Um, but before we get into it, I wanted to take a look at the, what do you, you guys are doing so much. Um, you're doing so much. You've got Bolingo Consult. You've got uh, the localization, Africa, localization Africa. You've got the LS, African LSP podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you do. 
all of your projects. I'll put Addy on the spot for this one. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, thank you so much, um, Taka, for that question. So we we try to do um, um, much based on our understanding of the of the sector and the industry, and also based on our mission, unlocking confidence in African languages. So the first thing that we actually started doing was the localization Africa, where we provide localization guides for African countries. So that's one of our initiatives. And then we started with the Africa's LSP podcast also, which is a very um, exciting podcast where we talk with uh, people in the language industry in Africa to understand um, what they do to talk about the languages. I know there is so much that um, doesn't get talked about, um, especially in Africa. And so we wanted to start some kind of conversation and engagement and also to forge connections. So that has been very, very successful um, with the podcast. And now it's been hosted by Nat Kintela, who is doing an amazing job. Um, and and that's, then, of that's course, how, that's how I first met you, I think. The podcast came across my radar, and I reached out because I was, I was very impressed. Because for us Obronis, the African landscape is a blind spot, right, in our industry. And it's a shame. It, it really is. And I can say, like, I've been watching you from afar um, for the last, oh, I don't know, two, three years. And I've just been continuously impressed with the, the content and the initiatives that are coming out of, of your various initiatives from Bolingo Consult. I know you did the, the language guides or the country guides for various African countries, which are a super great resource. If anyone's interested in those, reach out to these guys after the podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I have a bad habit of interrupting people, but I just wanted to say like, great, great work that you've been doing. I've been watching you, even though I haven't Thank talked to you so for like a year. I, I've, I'm watching for yeah. far. <laughs> well, yeah, I think one so. of the interesting things, and I think it's very, uh, uh, I was very impressed is that they're also publishing uh, children's books in, yeah, uh, are written by local African authors and published in local African languages. And that one of the, the, the challenges in uh, developing countries is uh, having content that is not translated with uh, 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 a Western bias, but is developed and written inside the reality of the African people. So that's something that's uh, really fantastic. Oh, I just saw your screen there, uh, uh, an image of that, right, of the book that is in several languages, in several African languages. Yeah, so the, um, we call it multilingual publishing because we realize that um, we need a lot of resources in our language, and especially for children. So this is a children's book on the environment. It's written by Zami Christel. And yes, we have it in several, several African languages, um, three, we have it in Zulu, Arabic, um, Kiswahili and so on and so forth. So that's one of our initiatives as well. Um, I don't know if Clifford wants to add, add up to what I've said already. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that that is very, very uh, important with the mission that we put for ourselves that we want to uh, people get uh, confidence in the languages that are on the continent, not just um, this speaking, but also having materials in the language. Um, and then again, 
language buyers can also confidently know that, well, if I, um, if I have my content localized in this language, there will be uh, a lot of um, benefits from, from it. And so at both ends, the, the people themselves having access to the content or whatever materials they need in the languages, and then the confidence that can come from language, language service buyers uh, to be able to constantly, you know, localize for us, uh, not just also written, but also media localization. These are all things that are really massive um, in the in the African continent. And you're doing all sorts of languages. I saw in the chat there was someone's asking, do you do any Nigerian languages? Um, yeah. Like, we, we, how many? Yeah. There are many, right? <laughs> <laughs> There, there are 500 um, languages in Nigeria, oh, but of course, the, the most popular, yeah, <laughs> the most popular um, Igbo, um, Yoruba, how's and, that? and so on. Yeah, how's that as well? Um, well, all right. So I think people get the idea you're doing a lot of work, but what we want to talk about today is your experience with this um, new initiative that you have, which is. Akan News. I'm sorry, I didn't catch how to say it in, in Tree. But um, you came to us with a nice little introduction deck here. And we're going to get through that. Oh, and by the way, guys, in the comments, you guys got your fan club in the comments. Because it's a bunch of names that I can't pronounce. So if you guys are watching and you have any questions, comments throughout, I'll be monitoring the comments. Just drop those in there. But yeah, um, walk us through this here. What, what are we talking about today? All right, thank you, um, Taka. So today we want to talk about Akan Kasiebo, which is a platform for content creation in the, in the Akan language, um, specifically in Tree and um, Fanti. And so today we'll talk about, we'll give an overview of Ghanaian languages and literacy levels in those languages. And we'll also talk about some features of low resource languages and why we think that um, these two languages that we are having in Akan News are low resource languages. And then we'll talk briefly about the platform. And then um, Clifford will go on to share some analytics um, for the platform, feedback from users, and then we'll talk about the next steps for us with this particular initiative. Very cool. Yeah, I was, I was reading in your press release that like even in Ghana, a lot of like news channels are presented in the local language, but anything that's written, published online, is all in English. And I was surprised to, to read that this didn't really exist before having the news. Well, and you know what, before we get into the presentation, let me do this. Let me bring it up on screen here. Because so people can know it's Akan a k a n news.com. And whoops, wrong. Um, where is it? Here it is. Akan news.com. And here it is. I'll, I'll drop a link into the LinkedIn while you guys are chatting. But you can see you can switch here between Fonti and Tree and social media up here. So I'm going to go drop a link for this and turn it back over to you. Sorry for interrupting again. <laughs> Take it away, Addy. Yeah. Yeah. So just like you said, Taka, it's quite interesting that you would find that the Radio stations where the most listeners, you know, uh, radio stations that broadcast in Asante Tree, for instance, and uh, those stations themselves, when you go on their website, they are 
publishing their news in English, you know, that's really interesting. And so we really found it um, very strange and we thought, okay, let's just try um, an initiative to see how it would be, you know, welcomed by the speakers of this language. Um, because this is a very, very popular language um, in the country. It has not only um, high number of speakers, but also high number of people who are literate. That means people who can read and write um, these particular languages. And so it was really interesting for us to, to, to um, embark on this initiative. And as you can see there um, in Ghana, there are high levels of literacy in these languages that we have on the screen in Asante tree, Equiapim tree, Mfante, Nzima, Ga, Dambe, Eve, Dagbani, Gonja, Degari, Kasem, and Gruni. Um, and this is based on the data from the uh, population and housing census of 2021 in Ghana. And these, so these are all Ghanaian languages then? What did you say? These are all Ghanaian languages from Ghana specifically? Exactly. Okay, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. These are all Ghanaian languages. All right, next slide. Yeah, so um, this next slide actually shows that um, obviously in Ghana, the official language is English, but aside English, um, the proportion of people that are literate, 95% um, are literate in English and a Ghanaian language. So that means that they can read and write English and they can read and write a Ghanaian language. And so that's really interesting as well to, to really see that we have at least um, a high number of people who are literate. And with that, you know, usually when we talk about African languages, we talk about speakers of the language, speakers of the language, but we don't really place emphasis on literacy, which is very important. And that's right. what we really wanted to highlight here. Well, talk to us a little bit about what's the script like? Is it a Latin script? Are there special characters? Yes, yeah, so it uses a Latin script and there are special characters um, in the language as well. Yeah, is, is, and was that a barrier to creating something online? Were there font or encoding issues with that? Because I know you mentioned, I think in one of your press releases, that even the professional news sites and other professional sites, when they try to post stuff in local languages, sometimes the characters get mixed up. I think I think they they have a slide about that. Oh, but I'm okay. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> All right. You don't I'll have just, a slide. I'll just, I'll just yeah, be the slide guy. I'll shut up here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with regards to the, 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 the um, alphabet, sometimes the, um, the use of the language, they find it difficult to actually find the correct characters. So that sometimes creates some challenges online because they used the wrong uh, characters for these special characters that are supposed to be used. But it's not really difficult in terms of coding, for instance. Okay. Um, so going on to... Going on to the next slide, um, we, we, we are sharing some data on the Greater Accra region and the Ashanti region. So for the Greater Accra region, for instance, it has um, over 5 million uh, people, population of 5 million people. And then in terms of uh, people who are literate in Ashanti tree, we have 2 million people um, who can speak Asante, who can read and write in Ashanti tree. The interesting thing uh, with the Greater Accra region is that it is native to the Gans. I don't know if you know about the Gan language. Me, I mean, I know it exists, and I know a couple speakers exactly. of so it. It's, don't ask me how to yeah. say where's the toilet in it. I... <laughs> yeah, so Greater Accra region is is native to the Gans, but you would find that there are people who who are literate um, more in Asante tree. Over there, 2 million people. We also have 1.4 million people who are literate in Ghana and so on and so forth. 
Um, so that's also an interesting data. Of course, greater Accra region being the urban center, it's understandable that um, many people migrate, you know, move to, the, uh, to yeah. the region to work and engage in other activities. And then the next slide shows some data for the Ashanti region really um, as Bef well. Before we move on really quickly, um, just a point of clarification. Yeah. In the schools in Accra, for example, because you have all of the people speaking different languages coming from different backgrounds, what is the language of instruction at school? Okay, so generally the language of instruction is English, but um, the local languages are taught as courses. So they have courses on the language and um, it's basically based on the on the choice of the school. So a, a school can decide to teach Asante tree. Um, it, they can decide to teach Ipiapim tree or Ga. So it's actually okay. um, based on the preference of the school. But the language of instruction itself is English. Okay. And what, what is the literacy rate? So you have the literacy rates here for uh, tree and Ga. Um, what's the literacy rate for English? Yes, the literacy rate for, for English, I think we like is, um, we have, 80, it's it's up there, we have 87.9. Oh, I, I just didn't see it. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Which is actually interesting to compare with India, for example, where uh, percentage-wise, it's uh, much less than, than that. Uh, they have 22 official languages in India. And I think that fluency in, in, in English, it's less than 30%, if I'm not mistaken, so. Next mm. slide. Yeah. Ashanti so region. it's quite high. Yeah, so the literacy rate in English is quite high as well. So yeah, for the Ashanti region, it has a similar population as the greater Accra region and um, undisputed. I mean, Ashanti tree is basically undisputed there. So out of the, uh, 4.2 million people who are literate. Um, we have 4 million people who are literate in Asante tree in that region. So that's the, the main re region where Asante tree um, comes from, you know, um, the Ashanti region of Ghana. And, here, and I'm sorry for our podcast listeners because you don't get to see these beautiful graphs. But go check it out on the YouTube channel so you can see it. Here we have figure 4.6, proportion of the population six years and older who are literate in Ghanaian language by region. Walk us through this, why don't you? Yeah, so Ghana has 16 regions, and uh, we've just shared data for eight regions here. So you can see in the western region, uh, Fanti is leading. Um, in the central region, Fanti is leading also as the language in which people are mostly trained in. In the greater Accra region, we have Asante tree leading, followed by Ga. And then in the Volta region, we have Eve, which is, um, yeah, which is the most, uh, the language in which people are mostly trained in. And this, the Volta region also shares the border with Togo. Um, the next slide shows um, similar information for four other regions of Ghana. And it shows, yeah, the, the languages that people are most literate in. And it also gives us an idea of the, of the languages that people are mostly treated in in general, you know, in Ghana. And a question here: Are any of these languages mutually intelligible? So, can a tree speaker or tree reader understand Fanti, for example? Mm, that's a very interesting question. So, um, yes, the the Akan group of languages um, it has Asante tree, it has a Piapim tree, it has. Um, Fante and it has Indima as well. So these are languages that are mutually intelligible. Um, speakers can 
to an extent hear themselves yeah when they're speaking so that's an interesting perspective as well so now we're getting into it. Features of low resource languages. So getting into the challenges that you face and are facing working on this, this native language news site. Yeah, so um, interestingly, you would find that in Africa, we have several languages that have um, huge numbers of people who are literate in those languages, huge numbers of speakers, but you will still find that these languages do not have enough resources. Of course, we understand that uh, most often we say those languages are more oral. Um, they are more oral, right, than written. And so that somehow buttresses this point. Um, and so in terms of features of low resource languages, we know that these um, are languages with uh, limited written materials. They are limited digital resources, limited publications. And in general, there's insufficient documentation, both online and offline. So when you compare this, yeah, please go ahead. Oh, so, so to that point, limited documentation, what do you mean by that? Like, are there dictionaries? Are there standardized spelling? Is there a standard grammatical structure? Yeah, so when I talk about documentation, it's not only about the result, I mean, those particular resources with regards to dictionaries and, and et cetera. We have those um, for most of the languages, but okay. they don't have content uh, on various domains or fields. So we don't have content, for instance, on climate change. Mm. Uh, we don't have uh, content on the SDGs in those languages. And so in terms of like everyday documentation, um, that is really missing. And also the capacity of the people to write on the internet, you know, to write in the language on the internet is also um, an issue. So yeah, all this creates some kind of lack for these languages and uh, it prevents the users from actually fully enjoying these languages. Are, are these languages available on Wikipedia? Yes, they are. Who, who puts them on there? Is it just crowdsource, like linguists come in and do that themselves, or is that professionally translated? Maybe that's Renato's question. I don't know. I have no idea how they do localization at Wikipedia. No. Yeah, I know usually it's volunteers that they use, right? Is it? Renato. It's all volunteers. All right. Rationale for AkanNews.com. Yeah, so the, the rationale is the... Um, is observation that yes, these languages have high literacy rates, you know, they have high audiences, for instance, um, people are listening to these radio stations that broadcast in these languages. But on the other hand, you can see that there is a stark absence of written information or content in these languages. Um, and so really it's about making efforts to raise the profile of these languages online so that we don't just remain with this narrative of, of you know, oh, these languages are mostly oral. And, and stuff like that. So, yeah. And yeah, so the idea behind it, so I'm going to play devil's advocate, right? Um, and I'm going to ask, like, if everybody, most people can understand and 87% literacy rate, even read English, then it's not a requirement for people to get their news in the, in the native language. Is, what is the driving, is there a component of, is there a fear that these languages are going to go extinct or just not be in use anymore? Or talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, basically, you know, when a language is not being used, um, it doesn't get, it doesn't evolve, right? Um, we don't get new content for the language. We don't create new words. Um, when you take Kiswahili, for instance, there were deliberate efforts uh, by the government and stakeholders to ensure that the language grows and expands um, to what it is currently. And so 
the fear for these languages is that if we don't create content for them, um, they would, they might go extinct, and it, it's it's very serious, you know, mm -hmm. because there's so much knowledge. Aside that, there's also a lot of knowledge in those languages that we need to be able to retain, and it's not every concept that we can actually um, explain in English. Um, I mean, for those people that speak the language, they know when you are saying something in the language, it's sometimes so deep that you can't exactly translate it into English, and so that particular knowledge. We need to keep it within the language and we need to ensure that the language, you know, exists. Let's go to the next slide here. All right, getting into it. I kind of stole your thunder a little bit by showing the website, but tell us about the website. And then I have some questions about the website too. All right, Clifford, do you want to take over? Yeah, so um, thank you, Adi. I, I think I like, I really like the last, uh, response about the fact that the, um, the, there's a lot of knowledge in these languages that we need to protect. Um, personally, being a camp person and speaking Chi, I, I speak Chi very well. Um, I read, I, even this presentation, I can make everything in, in the language. Um, there are certain things that you you can see in the, in the language that um, sometimes it's difficult. I mean, you don't know how to actually get it into English. And so um, those kind of sayings and, and the knowledge also carry, carry a lot of weight and creativity and all that that I think really needs to uh, to be preserved and protected. Um, and if and you for the record, it, I agree. I see a LinkedIn user was is challenging me as you should, saying, "Imagine your English content wasn't available on websites," and, like, and that's why I said I'm going to play devil's advocate, right? Like <laughs> I agree with all of this. I just think it's a really interesting conversation, and it's an interesting conversation that people need to hear because unless you're even people in the localization industry that have been around for a long time and translating, if they've never worked on projects or initiatives with low resource languages, a lot of us don't even understand the nuances and the, the subtle reasons for, for why, they're, um, why it's important to keep these languages alive. Yeah. And, and so if you look at the, the various domains and um, um, articles that we put out, put out on the daily basis, so we write every day. So every day um, we have content creators that have signed up to uh, write various articles. And most of the articles are also timeless. So uh, it means that um, they are uh, daily issues and they touch on very important uh, domains, so from health, uh, to issues around democracy and politics. And uh, just recently, technology, um, I've seen the Fanti people are writing a lot about technology, um, even writing about uh, Twitter and Thread uh, that recently came out. And so uh, that gives you the idea of how extensive the language is and how rich um, you can talk about a lot of issues in the language. Um, sometimes there's a whole mood about oh there's i know limited ways you, you you can't say this or that um in the language so these are things that for us we are super proud of the of the of the writers they they put in a lot of effort to bring in very very rich um uh content that uh cut across various domains um as well 
So maybe we can look at the, the next slide. Um, On it. Yes. Cool. So um, 516 as, uh, articles. How long have you all yeah, been doing yeah. this? This is um, actually we by September we will be one year. Okay, uh, but still, so, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Once again, sorry. To, please explain this graphic on <laughs> before I interrupt again. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we we the, the platform has basically two um, main uh, varieties of the account language. So we have the Asantiki and Fanti. Um, so far, as at um, June 30th, uh, that's when we extracted this data. And so we have uh, in total 516 articles um, you know, distributed across the various um, variety. Uh, on average, we have um, about 1,500 words per article. So that is the average. Some can go as long as I mean, 3,000 words. If you look, if you look at some of the articles, are very lengthy. Some can also be, you know, around 1,800. But a lot of them uh, over around 1,500 uh, uh, words. And so that that should tell you that uh, if you do the mathematics, we are having um, over 774,000 words of of you know uh, these languages, the account languages on the platform. Um, when we started, the target was, okay, by the time we are one year, uh, we should produce enough articles that can give us about a million words. Um, and hopefully, probably we'll be able to achieve that. Well, maybe we have some few months to go, but um, that is what we have at the moment. Is there a component of, why, why are you targeting word counts? I should say, it seems like an... an unorthodox method or goal to set for yourself? Why work? <laughs> yeah, so I believe the, all the reasons that we have given from um, protecting the, the resources in the languages, protecting uh, the language profile on the internet, and so on and so forth. Um, there is also issues of data that is very important. That's where I was um, getting that, yeah. Yeah, in all these conversations. And so, um, recently, I mean, we've been approached by an organization that uh, wanted uh, some data for to train their machine uh, translation uh, software. Um, yeah, so we had a conversation and uh, we are, unfortunately, we were not able to agree on uh, how to move forward. But that that is the, the, the magnitude of the, of, the, of the work that we are doing that. Um, we are protecting the languages. We are ensuring that people have access to content in their languages, but also um, we are creating a lot of data um, in these languages. Yeah, because that's one of the, the biggest challenges about um, like developing machine translation solutions, for example, for these languages. There's just not enough. There's not enough of it out there for everybody. Yeah. So top viewed pages and average time spent. Yeah, the, 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 the rationale for this particular uh, slide is just was very fascinating to see that uh, people spend a lot of time on on various articles, so they don't just brush through. So you can see as high as 10 minutes um, average time that is spent 
on a particular article. I mean, so for us, it was when we saw this data, we were super happy that uh, uh, there's a lot of time that is spent on the platform. So people don't just open and close it. They, they just spend a lot of time uh, reading, digesting, and even sharing the content. And for those viewers out there who have never seen analytics for a publication-based website, like, it's brutal. <laughs> People don't hang out on pages very long. So 10 minutes is a long time for someone to be digesting some content. Traffic for Asante Tree? Yeah, so we, I mean, this is uh, kind of... Um, um, Obvious data, but also very interesting because uh, uh, we have um, the various locations um, and then, of course, also the devices that people use to access the platform. Um, so you see many people use uh, their mobile phone as compared to uh, tablets or desktop. So um, actually, it's not surprising. Um, and of course, also, you get a lot of people uh, that are actually um, Assessing the platform from 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 Ghana, uh, but substantially you can see the United States and other uh, countries also there, um, and then the 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 channels that they use to uh, get in. Most of them are direct um, searches and direct uh, clicks that they use to um, come in. So yeah, yeah, this is real interesting. The I mean the mobile doesn't surprise me because everyone's on mobile these days. Um, yeah. But this is really interesting that 60, about 61% are accessing from Ghana and then the rest from outside of Ghana. And I imagine that the percentages kind of mirror the diaspora of, of Ghanaians in the world. And I know, uh, living in a foreign country before, just how refreshing it was to have access to my language. Right. And for, I mean, I'm an English speaker, so it's easy for me to get access to my language, but I can only imagine how challenging that would be to, you know, be a tree speaker and living in the U S especially if you're in a small town with no, um, Ghanaian community surrounding you, you could go weeks without seeing or hearing your languages. Yeah. Right. Is it yeah. the same for you, Renato in Brazil? When you read the, the news back home, I, I start my day by reading the local news in Rio de Janeiro, especially looking at the sports scores. And uh, for the first time in almost 20 years, my team is in the first place in the Brazilian National Soccer Championship. So I'm very happy. And it gets me motivated to go. But it's refreshing. You're absolutely right. It's the best thing in the world is to go and read stuff in your own language about your own country and your own stuff. So, and I, actually, what what is the the top topic that people read on account news? Is it uh, uh, politics, sports, uh, gossip? Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. I'm afraid to ask any more questions because every time I ask a question, it's like, well, we have a slide for that. So, but that's a good question. <laughs> no, we don't have slide for this this particular question. I think that. Um, most uh, readers have been following exactly what the content creators are putting out there. Um, and so if you look at it, um, some of the top ones that people really consume has to be around history. Um, 
So there are, if you look at us on TV, there are articles around um, some, you know, uh, kings and chiefs, um, the history of Ghana, uh, and so on and so forth. Recently, in Fanti, one of the writers has consistently been producing articles in um, the independence history around independence around, of, of various countries in in Africa, and that has been really, really uh, been accepted. Um, you know, you know, get a lot of tractions, and and so history kind of stand tall when you look at the well, various. And and if you look at uh, modern. African history, it's very recent, right? But we're already in those generations that don't remember anymore. Uh, I, I'm from a generation that I remember still reading in the news and watching on TV, uh, a new African country uh, got independence from the UK, from France, and so on. This happens in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. But now there are generations like you guys who were born after that and you don't remember that so you need to go back to history and what were the conditions that caused that and try to understand where society is uh, uh where it is and, and and what brought it there it's fascinating that uh, and it makes me rejoice at the fact that uh, people are interested in their history origins and uh uh where, where where their situation is yeah and one other um, interesting part as part of the there is a a portion where people also search um items and we are able to collect data on that and uh um a lot of people also search um we've seen the data that has come for atlantic uh the searches has been around uh traditional religion um and then a bit around politics so there is also that interest um people go there and they, they just search something about uh, politics or religion and uh yeah they just want to find out if we have some articles in in those that one as well excellent the topics that you're not supposed to talk in polite company here in the united states uh <laughs> politics religion and sex <laughs> this is why I don't invite you on the podcast anymore, Renato. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's what people are curious about. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and do you have any plans to include because one of the things that fascinated me about Ghana is how musical uh the country is, how musical people are and uh uh we had a chance to to go to a restaurant when there was a celebration for some uh, uh, local uh, uh, woman who was turning 80 and it was such a beautiful party and music and everybody dancing and singing and so on. Do you have an entertainment section in your uh, news? Yeah, actually there's the entertainment part of it, um, that especially for Fanti, uh, the, the, there's one of the writers write a lot about sports and entertainment. Um, he is a sports person. Um, he's already doing his master's in Fanti, uh, but he likes sports. And so he really combined what he's learning um, to what he's very interested in. 
And so for him, he's always excited about this opportunity to write because he likes the, the, the sport aspect and then he knows the language. So it goes well for him. So uh, how much of it is volunteer work? I know that some of Bolingo's employees are contributors to the content. You yourself write uh, for, for the website. And you have how many contributors? And, and are they mostly volunteers? Are they employees? What, what is the structure of this? That, that's a great question. <laughs> I think you want to respond. I should go ahead. <laughs> Oh, you can go ahead, Clifford. Okay, okay, thank you. So, um, we have um, about currently eight um, uh, contributors distributed across the two languages. So, we have four for Asante Creed, four for Fante. Um, they are not volunteers uh, because they, they definitely need to uh, buy data, they need to uh, do some research. Um, and they do a lot of research. And so uh, we have agreed on um, a rate with them that we, we, we pay them. And so uh, much of our marketing budgets, we put it some, we put it in this one to, to support them so that constantly uh, we, we, we write. And um, yeah, so that has been the approach. I don't know if I've been able to answer your question. Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh... I, have you been able to sell advertisement on the website? No. So uh, most of the banners that you see are internal banners that mm -hmm. for ourselves. Uh, but one interesting R thing Renato's is Renato's trying to steal notes for Multilingual Magazine is what he's trying to do. <laughs> he's trying to steal your ideas. I know exactly what he's doing, but please go on. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, a lot of people have reached out to us uh, through the platform. They go, um, they saw account news, and then they go to the footer, they go, which organization is behind this? And then they see Bolingo Console, and then they, they reach out, and then they ask, why, why are you doing this? Why, what is it? And then they, they are able to also cover services and what we do. And, and for us, that is really, really. Uh, so there's that kind of element of visibility for Bolingo Console itself in the midst of uh, the account news platform. All right, let's go back to the slides here before we get too far off track. We got the same traffic for Fonti. A um, little bit different here. I don't have a, a key here, but is there any difference? Did you notice any difference between the Fonti and the tree traffic to the website? I think they are they are almost the same. Yeah. They are virtually the same. It kind of yeah. looks like it. Yeah. But what are users saying about Akon News? I know we kind of got into it, but give us some examples here. Yeah, we, I mean, we, I, I can give you examples from the, the chat. Like I said, you brought your fan club with you today. And there's a lot of people. I saw someone saying, like, oh, I want to do this for Nigerian languages. Um, it's very, very well received. If the chat is any indicator, it's being very well received. I mean, the same impression from um, many people. Um, that we've interacted with, including the Ghana Bureau of Languages. So, oh, uh, the okay. Ghana, yeah, the Ghana Bureau of Languages uh, had opportunity to, they've seen it, and I had a meeting with them, um, their head of Asante P and Akan department. We spoke for a very long time, 
um, they, were, they wanted to find out, I mean, how do we do that? Because they find it very lofty and very far away. And, and, and this is uh, something that we've been able to implement within um, very easily. And so um, well, we explained to them and they were extremely happy about the fact that we are helping the languages to, to stand. So across the board, um, you get very positive feedback, um, positive energy uh, from all the people that have uh, had opportunity to see it. Um, there are other people that also find it very, you know, but the, their main issue is the fact that why are we doing just Akan and not their language? So they are right. ever, yeah. You know, so, the other Ghanaian languages, why are you promoting a can alone? When are you adding a way? When are you adding a can? So, yeah. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? Like, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't want to bring that up. But if, since you brought it up, that's always the challenge when going into these things because you have to start somewhere. And with so many languages, what is, what is going to have... How many languages are just in Ghana? Like About 80, 50. Right? 50? Yeah. I mean, that that would break the website, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but are, are there the people, plans? You need the resources. You need the stories. Yeah. It's uh, take time. And this is a, a bootstrapped uh, initiative. And uh, it's, it's the challenge. And... Uh, it's a very different uh, structure in language, and uh, they have sounds uh, with words with specific characters and so on. You need to develop that. But hey, yeah, maybe somebody else has an idea to do something similar, and you partner and you share your experience and so on, which is very. Do you translate any articles from Asante from from Twee to Fancy or vice versa? No, okay. if I can answer that, um, no, we don't translate it. All the articles are original, like original articles on their own. But Clifford, you can jump in. Yeah, so I have actually asked this question from uh, the creators before. Um, if they take a cue from, because they, they can actually read, read both languages. Um, yeah. Just that they can write one, but they can read both languages. Um, but once they, they don't they don't they they always want to create from scratch and and be a bit unique awesome i'd be interested do your analytics show are the same users reading both languages or do you see one set of users looking at the tree and one set of a different set of users looking at the fonti or is there cross-pollination where because it's mutually intelligible people are reading both well, it's it's possible that um, if you someone visits, especially their homepage for Asantiki, they they go there and they may switch to Fante. But um, if you look at how the the languages are, people really you know stay within a particular domain, and uh, that that is the kind of um, experience. So if you look at the analytics for Asantiki, it's just a group of people. Um, in uh, in Ashanti region and some part of Greater Accra that are interested in that. The same thing for Fanti. You see Central region, uh, Western region, 
um, yeah, and, and some a bit of creator across world that are very interested in, in, in the Fanti. And a question I should have started with, what are your guys's, you, Adi and Clifford, what, what are your first languages? <laughs> yeah, so um, I can start with me. Uh -huh. I mean, I have a very interesting background. I have a blend of Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and so from Cote d'Ivoire, I speak Dula. Yeah. And then um, from Ghana, when I came to Ghana, I I studied tree in school. So I can read and write tree. So I've kind of adopted it as my language. So that's what I can say. That's why I, I do the answer to that question. That's why I'm asking. Because I think it's fascinating that you're doing this for Fountain Tree. And you're, it's not even your mother tongue. You're not even originally born in Ghana. So I, I think that's extra special. And Clifford? Yeah, for Clifford, I mean, Clifford yeah, I, I am a scientific Ah, uh, uh, you're person. boring. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting point that I want to make here is that because I schooled in the Western region and um, I studied Fanti in school. So in my school, uh, I was, uh, I studied Fanti um, so I can read Fanti as well, but uh, at home, church, and other places, it was just strictly Asante mm. Um When I read the Fanti, it's clearly, you can clearly hear that I'm not a native uh, speaker. It's, it's just I'm struggling a lot. Nice. Uh, let's see, do we have more slides here? Um, but the question that I didn't ask is what language do you speak between the two of you? Oh, that is a good question. You're, I mean, we <laughs> to answer. I mean, we always speak Asante tree. Like Clifford is always um, insisting us on, on Asante tree. So yeah, I mean, it's always in my ears. I don't have a choice. So <laughs> well, tree, it. Asante tree is kind of the lingua franca of Accra. I, I, am I correct in that? Like a, most people speak it. Like in the market, you're going to hear it a lot. And like what I've observed in my very limited experience is like that's the African language they use to even if they're not tree, right? Speakers. Yeah, that's interesting. But um, most people in, in, in Ghana, when you say those things, they are not happy because they'll be like- Oh, I'm uh, pissing all sorts of people off today. Like, I know, I'm not doing it intentionally. I'm doing it with a, it's a place of ignorance, let's say. Yeah, because people begin to think that there is a dominance of, of Akan and even, I mean, the natives of, of the greater Akan region will begin to complain that we are the natives, but our language. Recently, there was a debate about um, they not being able to open a radio station in their language, and so it's it's quite interesting. But yes, um, Asante tree is very popular on the streets of Accra. Well, on that note, I mean, if I really want to piss people off, I'm going to read the comment that I just saw here. Um, someone made a comment just about that. Let me find it. Uh, talking about the, the resourcing, yeah, Nat, hey. Um, and you equally need very good resource persons in all these languages. Coming from someone who isn't a Khan, I have to be honest and say that Akans are making very good strides in learning and promoting their languages as compared to other languages. So, hey, I did not say that. That was in the comments, just for the record, everybody. Oh, all right. Last slide. Next steps with creating content in lower resource languages. Platform for written content in African languages. What are we talking about, Emmanuel? Roddy, Clifford. Yeah, so um, 
we we are looking at that. I mean, there have been a lot of um, ways of um, thinking about this uh, initiative and how um, we can we can monetize. You know. Well, I, um, that's what I was going to ask too, because my capitalist brain immediately goes to like, all right, when are you going to start monetizing this and how? Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, and, I didn't want yeah. to ask because I don't want to put you on the spot. So I'm glad you're bringing this up because I'm interested. Yeah. And and if you look at the content that currently are being created, these are very, very educative contents. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's great. People write about health issues and, and very extensive. When they are writing about history, it's very extensive. Um, and so we, we look at how we can, you know, blend these languages that you know um in ghana and west africa where um it's not really popular in written uh with languages in east africa where there's a lot of popularity um in, in its use documentation and as compared if you compare the two types of languages so blending them having a platform where uh educative content could be created in a more of um, not um, as a news platform, but as a learning platform uh, for people uh, to to um, get access to uh, some information. Um, if it is around government initiative, it's about um, some uh, policy, uh, local government policies, and, and and so on and so forth. So that can help to do that. And, and so we are thinking about that, and that is what would be uh, probably the next step of, of um, I can't use yourself. Adi, maybe you want to add something or have me something. Yeah, so to add up to that, I mean, there is a clear distinction between, um, when you come to East Africa, there is a clear distinction and difference in the way they use their languages compared to West Africa. In West Africa, we still, we have you know, African languages that are widely spoken and pe people are literate in, but they don't have the kind of platform and visibility that um, when you compare to the East African languages they have. For instance, here in Rwanda, they have um, news websites in Kenya, Rwanda, and people are able to read the news in their language. And I find it so fascinating. I'm sure for those of us from West Africa, it's still kind of a remote concept, you know? So it's something that we want to um, try to make people get used to. And so having the platform that creates content in African languages, especially those languages that are spoken a lot, but not written would be um, an ideal thing to do and so yes it's something we're looking forward to doing contemplating about um how to go about it we've already um launched some questionnaires and we've had very interesting responses about what people would like and so yes as we are looking forward to that next stage yeah i mean this is you use the word platform it's i mean this is a prototype for it you're, you're blazing a trail for other people to follow and whether whether your website ends up in 50 languages or not, you're setting a precedent and an example for other people to follow here. So, ex excellent. And to respond to your comment there, Oscar, yes, I do like to stir the pot with those questions. You guys aren't looking at the comments. Well, well I, but I think uh, just before we wrap, I think that it's commendable that you have, with essentially uh, eight people generated close to a million words of content. Um, by yourselves, without any sponsorship, without any 
government money without any without any chat GPT and so on without chat GPT <laughs> exactly so uh, good job this is uh, fascinating I I already knew about it and uh, fascinating but I think we should get them to sing something. Clifford is a good singer. He should sing something in Fante. Once again, this is why I don't invite you on more podcasts, Renato. Don't worry, Clifford. I ain't going to do that to you. Uh, Adi, Clifford. I wish we should hear Fante or Tweet. Uh, 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 Ghana's got good music, people. Go go, Spotify that yourself. Um, Adi, Clifford, and kind of Renato, it's been a pleasure to talk to you all today thank you for coming back on the show um you have a you have a platform anytime you want with nimsy multilingual i i really respect the work that you're doing so i want i want everybody to hear about it so with that i'm gonna wrap it up here um you guys can stick around we can chat a little bit afterwards but um once again everybody my name is tucker johnson i hope you have enjoyed this nimsy live experience you can join us next time on July 27th when I'll be talking to my colleague, Yanni Golikovsky, about her interesting takes on language quality models. I appreciate our guests today, Adi and Clifford from Bolingo Consult. I appreciate my colleagues here at Nimsy Insights doing all the hard work so I can have these fun conversations. I even appreciate Renato most of the time. Uh, I appreciate everybody in our industry who fills out our surveys and schedules briefings with us. And- so we can include you in industry research. And lastly, I appreciate you, the audience, joining us live today, all of the dialogue and chat. And I will see you next time. Cheers.